You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly update on Tuesday 5th of February from AIB's Customer Treasury Services. I'm Gavin O'Carroll and I'm delighted to be joined today by our Chief Economist, Oliver Mangan. Ollie, we've looked at the Irish economy in recent days in terms of the uh, last number of years and the performance of the Irish economy. It's been performed very well. What are the prospects for the Irish economy for the rest of this year, 2019, into 20? Well, as you say, uh, the Irish economy has performed remarkably well in recent years. Um, last year, we actually recorded our first budget surplus since 2007. Uh, by the end of the year, the unemployment rate had come down close to 5.3%, uh, reported a 5.3% for November and December. It's hard to believe back in 2012, the unemployment rate was over 16%. And we also had a budget deficit, which was in double-digit territory, 10 12% of GDP. So there's been remarkable progress made by the economy in a short term of years on the back of very strong growth, both in the export side and also in domestic demand. So looking into 2019, um, the likelihood is that we won't sustain the very strong pace of growth we've seen in recent years. And we already have some early signs of that in terms of what we call leading indicators such as the purchasing managers indices. Uh, they're produced for most economies. AIB sponsors the Irish version for the manufacturing and services sectors. But they have lost momentum, really, going back to last September, October. Uh, we have the manufacturing index for January, which was weak. Uh, so we also look at things like consumer confidence. It's off its peaks. Mm. Uh, we've had new car sales data actually for January, which were well down. Now, last year, uh, you know, the fall in new car sales was offset by a pickup in secondhand imports. But the word from the motor trade is that did not repeat itself in January. There's, a, there's an underlying fall there in total car sales, both new uh, and imported used cars. And often car sales are a good leading indicator for, for activity in terms of the broader economy. They're a big ticket item. Now, I'm not saying the economy is going to turn down, but there are enough signs in the lead indicators to suggest that growth will moderate this year from the exceptionally strong growth rates we've seen in recent times. And looking this few minutes now we have, the important point really, I suppose, is what are the major risks this year? Two principal risks, if you could give us, for the Irish economy going forward. Yeah, well, the deceleration in those uh, lead indicators is actually consistent with what we're seeing in the larger economies. I mean, we had GDP figures for the Eurozone last week for the final quarter of the year, and the Eurozone economy barely grew for the second quarter in a row, increased by 0.2%, uh, and that followed a similar growth rate in quarter three. If you go back 12, 18 months ago, the quarterly growth rate was 0.7%, so now it's less than a third of that. And with Germany virtually stalling, we have Italy going into recession, uh, and the Eurozone's our main export market. And of course, the second big export market is the UK. And obviously, activity has lost a lot of momentum again there over the second half of the year. So when our, we're an exporting nation. And when our main export markets are weakening, we are going to see that in our activity indicators here. So I think the number one thing we need to focus on, firstly, is obviously the prospects of the global economy this year. And secondly, there's the uncertainty around Brexit. Um, now, in terms of the global economy, as I say, the, the, the European economy, certainly in the second half of last year, lost a lot of momentum. And the indicators we have for January show that that loss of momentum has you know, spread into the early part of this year. We need to watch those indicators closely to see how the European economy is evolving this year. And again, last week, and somewhat surprisingly, I mean, we know the US economy is growing very strongly. We had a very strong payroll report again on Friday, 300,000 plus extra 
people employed in the US economy. And yet, the Fed came out on Wednesday night and surprised markets. It had been out before Christmas, its previous meeting, saying we're going to increase interest rates twice in 2019, again in 2020. And even though the US economy is doing well, they're looking at the global indicators, they're looking at the volatility in financial markets, and they're saying, uh, this time, just six, four to six months la- later, no, no great change in the data, but four to six weeks later, they're saying, actually, uh, we're no longer convinced we need to put up interest rates. Inflation is, um, is very subdued. At this stage, they put, you know, they've put Fed policy on hold and saying rates can go up or down and will very much be data dependent. So even the strong US economy, um, the Fed's becoming concerned about the economic outlook there and global trends and what have you. With the payroll numbers last Friday. So they would have known those numbers, obviously, before they were released. I think they've Friday. access to the figures. I mean, they, they would have met on Tuesday and Wednesday. My understanding is they get, a, they get a glimpse of those figures. But, I mean, in the States, we've had a lot of indicators been delayed in terms of publication because of the shutdown of the federal government. So they hadn't had much data since Christmas, and yet they did a somersault in terms of their outlook for interest rates and monetary policy, which took the markets a bit by surprise. You saw the dollar weaken a bit. So that just shows you in the US, you know, where the unemployment rate is down uh, below 4%, where the economy is continuing to perform strongly, even they are concerned about the economic outlook. Okay, Ollie, so that was number one principal risk you're saying about the Irish economy, the global economy. And you've definitely evidenced it there with the Fed's decision uh, to, to, to just pause now, not, notwithstanding the fact the debt hasn't changed in the States that much. What's the second big risk? Well, as I said, in relation to Brexit and the uncertainty there, Obviously, a hard Brexit, there's plenty of research being produced now by many people suggesting a hard Brexit would have a fairly immediate and negative impact on the economy. Now, hopefully, we don't get a hard Brexit at the end of March. I mean, the general expectations, if we don't get a deal by that stage, that the UK will seek to defer Brexit by a number of months. So I think you can see in the strength of sterling in the past month that there's an expectation there that we won't see, we'll either get a deal or a deferral by the end of March. But that's just kicking the can down the road here. The deferral may be only for three months. Uh, so a hard Brexit would have an immediate and negative impact on the Irish economy and then on the UK economy, not to mention the disruption to trade, the movement of the exchange rate, etc. So that you know requires very careful watching uh, over the next number of weeks. Now, I know we had the Tory party reunite behind Theresa May last week and indicate... Uh, you know, the UK Parliament indicated that if changes were made to the backstop, if alternative arrangements could be found to prevent a hard border, they would support the withdrawal agreement. But there's no indication from the EU or indeed the Irish government at this stage that they're prepared to contemplate reopening, uh, renegotiating the, the withdrawal agreement. So we're in a holding phase at this stage. Um, and in fairness to the EU, I mean, the UK has not yet specified what it means by alternative arrangements, mm. what it has in mind. So I think, you know, what's going to happen here is probably not a lot in the next couple of weeks. Um, but as we move closer to March and towards that deadline of the 29th of March, then we may see more intense discussions, see if arrangements can be put in place um, that will allow the UK Parliament to pass the withdrawal agreement. But as I say, if it doesn't, and we're already beginning to see in the UK senior politicians, we've had the Foreign Secretary, we've had the Trade Secretary, indicate that even if we get a withdrawal agreement in the next number of weeks signed off, uh, the UK will not have a sufficient period of time to pass what's called the secondary legislation 
through the House of Parliament to give legal effect to that. By the end date. Yes, and that a short period of a delay or an extension, what's called an extension to Article 50 will be required. I think the EU will have no problem giving extension to Article 50 up to the 30th of June because that does not cut across the European parliamentary elections which are scheduled for May and Parliament reconvenes in July. So once the UK has exited the EU by the end of June, it doesn't impact on those parliamentary elections. The elections become much more complicated uh, if the UK was to remain in the EU post the end of June. You mentioned this to us last week. Yes, Just explain yeah. to so listeners. That, that date's important. So I think... Uh, Uh, You could almost call it a technical extension to give the UK sufficient time to pass enabling legislation for a period of three months will not be an issue. Beyond that, could throw up certain problems for the EU. So 52 days out, we're in February, we're talking about an event at the end of March. We waited now to speak on this podcast into the middle of the podcast before we discuss Brexit. We're focusing on the Irish economy today. What else can you see ahead? Because just when I listen to you talk there, say, for example, about Irish car imports in January being down. The currencies haven't dramatically changed. So therefore, this is now a sentiment amongst the populace that this could have a serious impact. Yeah, well, we could see it in the, in the monthly surveys on consumer confidence. It's, it's, it's well off its peak. Now, it hasn't plummeted, but it's nowhere near the levels it was last summer. So certainly the, the fact that Brexit date is fast approaching is, is weighing on consumer sentiment. I think it's probably weighing on business activity. We can see that, uh, for example, lending activity into the SME sector is quite subdued given the strength of the economy. So and you can see the same thing in the UK. I mean, Mark Carney, the Bank of England governor, has remarked on more than one occasion that the level of business activity, lending to the business sector, is very subdued for this stage of the cycle. So, I mean, there are already effects there. Uh, now, the key point here is we still expect the Irish economy to perform quite strongly this year, mm-hmm. provided that hard Brexit can be avoided. Uh, the PMIs, you know, both manufacturing and, and services, are still consistent with solid growth for the Irish economy, but not at the level we've seen in the last four or five years. I mean, the economy has been growing at a rate of close to 5%. Most forecasts are for it to slow to maybe four to four and a half. It might make that, but we're not saying it's going to slow to two, two and a half percent or anything like that. It may be a slow you know, to around four percent or somewhere below that. Uh, and again, we'll watch the global indicators. But Brexit, a hard Brexit in particular, would put the cat, the cat among the pigeons. I mean, that would have an immediate and negative impact. It would be a shock to the Irish economy and the UK economy. Certainly, Ollie, in terms of customer behaviours in recent weeks as well, you can see in terms of the foreign exchange side, hedging has been becoming more short-termism in terms of an Irish business customer looking out 12 months now is making decisions for their currency risk in the 90-day space rather than out in the 6th and 12-month area. So in, in, in terms of my own business, in terms of talking to customer, it is without doubt having an impact on their decision-making yeah. looking forward. I think your customers need to be aware that at current levels, right, the risks for sterling are asymmetric. And what I mean by that is if we get a deal... You know, the scope for sterling to appreciate is probably limited enough. It's, it's, it's made good ground in the last month. You know, the euro's back to around 87 to 88p. If we get a deal and, you know, the UK leaves on time or there's a short delay, we still have a lot of uncertainty in the next two years in terms of very difficult trade talks with the UK. We'll be unsure what the new trading relations will be when the so-called transition period expires. So the upside for sterling in those sort of circumstances is limited. I mean, the euro could fall back maybe to, let's say, 85p against sterling. On the other hand, if concerns start to mount that we could be facing a hard Brexit either in March or the end of June, well then, 
sterling will fall very sharply in those sort of circumstances, particularly if a hard Brexit was to materialise. I mean, we've only had the Bank of England warning that sterling could fall by 25% in circumstances where the UK had a messy, no-deal, hard Brexit. You know, very disorderly, very disruptive. So from these sort of levels, sterling has rallied. Uh, and from these sort of levels, it's got a lot more downside than upside in terms of the, the you know, the, there are binary outcomes here in terms of in terms of the prospects for sterling in relation to the type of Brexit we see. And to be clear for our customers, when you say there's downside risk to sterling, you're speaking about the euro sterling range going from 87p through 90s through 95 and beyond in a hard Brexit scenario. In a very disruptive, disorderly, no deal hard Brexit, parity could be on the cards. The Bank of England saying that it'll go beyond parity. I mean, we're saying that's probably a 13% fall from current levels. The Bank of England saying a 25% fall. Uh, and, you know, nobody really expects a hard Brexit. Uh, we're not really prepared for it. Uh, the expectations, there's a deal on the table. It'll probably get signed off and, and uh, agreed by the UK Parliament eventually. So, you know, it will be a shock to the system. And we've had news out of the UK over the weekend in terms of the Nissan car plant. They're not going to, uh, the new sports utility cars are not going to be manufactured in the UK. We've had a lot of big industry warning the government in the UK now that, you know, investment will flow out of the UK if there's a hard Brexit because people simply need to be in the markets that they mainly serve. And we've had a lot of UK exports into the European markets. It's their main market. So this will hit the UK economy hard and will hit the Irish economy hard. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so Ali, measure the optimism for me for a second. We've measured the, 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 the negatives of the hard Brexit. So in a scenario whereby it is pushed forward for three, six months, maybe maybe longer, the upside that you're talking about in sterling value terms for our customers, you may be only talking about 87, 88, going to 85, maybe slightly lower. Yep. Uh, I think, you know... When the deal, if the UK leaves, uh, and it's an orderly Brexit, uh, and this, the, the withdrawal agreement is signed off on, uh, there's still a lot of water to flow under the bridge here in terms of you know, very difficult trade talks between the UK and the EU have to commence. There'll be a lot of uncertainty about that. So I think um, you know, we get over one hurdle in terms of an orderly Brexit, you know, a soft Brexit. There's still a lot of work to be done to frame the new EU-UK relationship going forward in the next couple of years. It's going to be a fascinating number of weeks. I think this week, Thursday, the Bank of England have a rate announcement, yeah. correct? And I say what we've had from the ECB and the Fed in the last two weeks has been a much softer tone uh, in regard to interest rates. Uh, pulling back and the, the ECB has indicated that the risk now to its f- growth forecasts are on the downside when it next meets in March I fully expect significant downward revisions to its growth outlook possibly, possibly new liquidity measures announced uh, in terms of providing liquidity for the, the financial sector and no sign of any rate increases in the eurozone, eurozone rates remaining negative. We've had this very dovish tone from the Fed last week. So the Bank of England has been adopting this tightening bias in terms of we need to increase interest rates at some stage, but we need to see how Brexit unfolds. It'll be interesting to see on Thursday where the, from the Bank of England, the third central bank in three weeks, comes out with a, a more softly, softly mm. approach in terms of the need to increase interest rates. Obviously, for the Bank of England, it's completely on hold until it gets clarity on Brexit. But now there may be some doubts about the Bank of England will increase rates as well, even if you get a soft Brexit. Uh, given that global slowdown, given the softness of the UK indicators, it'll be just interesting to see what they've got to say. Because this week, 
sorry, this Thursday's meeting, we get their quarterly inflation report, we get their new forecasts. It'd be interesting to see what they, they've got to say. I mean, given we have had this, as I say, this much more cautious tone from the Bank of England, or sorry, from the Fed and the ECB in the last couple of weeks, will the Bank of England follow suit? That's the main data event this week. You Correct. There's very it. little data out this week of, of relevance to the, to the global economy. Uh, the Bank of England is the highlight of that meeting on Thursday. Just before we kicked off, you mentioned just about UK cabinet ministers and just what could transpire over the next few weeks. Just be pointed in terms of where you're seeing it right now. I don't think we're going to see any progress in the next couple of weeks in terms of renegotiating the backstop. It may be a bit early here. I mean, I think this could well be a last-minute job. It could run into March. If there are any concessions to be made, it's likely to be in March rather than in, in uh, February. Uh, for one simple reason being the closer you are to the exit date, the more that tends to focus minds and probably from uh, both the EU and the UK government's point of view, the better the chances are that if there are some modifications made to the withdrawal agreement, uh, the better the, 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 the prospects of the UK Parliament ratifying that deal. So the main points today, Ali, in terms of, you mentioned it for the Irish economy looking forward is the two principal risks, short slowdown in the global economy. We'll have to keep a close eye on that. We may hear more from the Bank of England this Thursday in that regard. And the most important and obvious, the Brexit risk, particularly, you know, if, if this day count closeout continues and, and nobody provides any solution. Correct. Thank you, Ollie, indeed, for your time today. And thank you for joining us for our weekly updates. You can subscribe to AAB's Market Talk on SoundCloud or the podcast apps for iOS or Android. Look forward to hearing from you next week, Ollie. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC. Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC. Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.